Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning. Good morning to you guys who are here. Welcome those of you who are joining us online. Glad you could be here. We are grateful to be able to gather together. I want to pause and pray before we get started. I also want to let you all know that all the uh, gifts for the children at Foothill Family Shelter are taken care of. So yay. Thank you to all of you guys for doing that. I appreciate that. Uh, It's all taken care of. And again, uh, you bring your, if you're buying the gifts yourself and filling the stockings, you have to have it, I think, by December 5th, 30th, 3rd, okay, I've got 30th, that's after, <laughs> December 3rd, um, if you are just uh, giving uh, donations so that Brianna can take care of that, let her know, um, but again, grateful that all those are taken care of, so let's pause and let's pray, we're going to get started this morning. Father, we are thankful for our opportunity to take this time and listen, pursue you. Lord, we are thankful for the opportunity to grow. We're thankful for the opportunity to even bless others like the children at Foothill Family Shelter. And Lord, we are so aware that there are so many people around us that are not as fortunate. There are people in our community who are struggling with health issues, emotional issues. And Father, we look to you for guidance, strength on how we can step into the lives of those who are in need around us as well as be open to receive from those around us to help fill the needs that we have within us. Lord, that is one of the reasons we are here. And so I pray community take place. I I pray that we allow your work to transform us and this community. And we do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Randy. And thank you guys for showing up, you know, for coming here this morning. And thank those of you who watch online for watching online. Thank you guys for your donation and giving to Genesis and keeping things running. Uh, If you can, subscribe to us on YouTube or on um, podcasts, however you listen. It helps us. I'm not sure how, but I'm sure it helps us. I guess people can find us because people are just searching for us just nonstop, and they don't know where to find us. But uh, again, thank you for your contributing to all these things that um, help us to continue going. We're going to be continuing through the book of Jeremiah. We're going to be in chapter two this morning. And this morning, I'm going to talk about poetry, termites, and my granddaughter. So... That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to start with Jeremiah chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. You can follow me 
turn on your Bibles and you can look or follow on the screen. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and announce directly to Jerusalem that this is what the Lord says. I remember the loyalty of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it found themselves guilty. Disaster came on them. This is the Lord's declaration. Hear the word of the Lord, house of Jacob, and all families of the house of Israel. It's hard to see it when we read it in our Bibles, but... This is being written in poetry. And remember last week I talked about there's two voices through the the book of Jeremiah. There's Jeremiah's voice and there's the voice of the Lord. And in chapter one, Jeremiah's voice is in prose. It's in common language, but the Lord's response is in poetry. And it's done this way, which I, I think is beautiful because what the writer is trying to do is help us understand that God's speech is always greater than the words that are used, right? The the purpose of poetry is not to just bring information, but to bring experience, to bring emotion into it. It's to evoke something. And so by using poetry for God's response, it is luring us into an emotion to help us feel something. And what we start to see here The objective to the communication here is that God is grieving a failed relationship. I don't know if you have had a failed relationship, if you had someone who you have loved and they stopped loving you, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, someone who you cared about and then you found out they didn't care the same way. There is a pit in your stomach when those things happen. I know that there's been times where I've gone to people's homes where there is a disclosing of unfaithfulness in a marriage relationship and the devastation that happens, the the harm that takes place. There's an overwhelming sense of loss, of rejection. There is the loss of energy, of motivation even to live when this kind of happens. There's the questions, why? Why would you do this? I thought everything was going well. When did this all happen? All these things start to come to surface when these things transpire. And that's the emotion that we're getting here. What a vulnerable place for God to be in. The one who is rejected. Because that's how it feels. When you're rejected, you feel like I'm insufficient. I I don't have enough to meet the needs of this person. So they had to go somewhere else. And God is putting himself in that place saying, I remember when you were like a bride, in verse 34, it says, can, can a bride forget her wedding gown, right? It's like, have you forgotten what we had together? Don't you remember? 
Did it mean anything to you? Was it all a lie? And he remembers those early times when they lived in that infatuation, in that romance, right? How you followed me in the wilderness in the land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. That means completely devoted. They followed him into the desert with reckless abandon. He took care and protected and provided for them. Don't you remember those days? Don't you remember our, our first apartment and how we didn't have furniture, how our, our mattress was just on the floor and we had pillows for a couch, how we had my grandmother's old refrigerator, that ugly yellow thing that was already 20 years old but still ran and sounded like a car was running in our kitchen. Don't you remember those days? And the evoking of the memory is evoking an emotion of fondness having that time when you remember those things. We ate rice and beans four days a week because that's all we could afford. And what was hard becomes a fond memory because of the love that was shared at that time. And that's the evoking, do you remember how close we were? But the same's true when things go wrong everything becomes questioned. Was it a lie at that time when I thought you cared? Were you just pretending? Right? He says, what fault did your ancestors find in me that they went so far from me, followed worthless idols, and became worthless themselves? What did I do wrong? Again, what a, a strange question to be put in the mouth of God. That he's the, the jilted one here. That he, he's the one who has been left because, well, he's asking why. Why would you do that? And this is a theme through the book of Jeremiah, but there's something important to recognize here, right? That close relationships require some type of maintenance. Recently, we had to have our house fumigated because we had termites, right? You see one little thing flying. Oh, look at there. There's a termite. Oh, yeah. Wonder if there's any more. Of course there's more, right? When there's one, it's not just one little termite like hey, just cruising around here. No, he's got family. He's got friends. He's relatives. He's got, you know, his whole family living in your, you know, door jams, and pretty soon we started seeing, you know, the holes coming into the areas of wood. It's like, huh, this isn't good. And, and if we want to preserve our house, we had to do some maintenance. Those of you who are homeowners know you always have to do maintenance. It's never over, right? You're always doing something. Oh, this is, you know, the water faucet's dripping now, and this is leaking, and this needs painting, and it's always, but that if you're going to have a home, you have to maintain it. And the same thing's true with the relationships. And the closer the relationship, the more maintenance is required, right? The, the fire of romance needs fuel. The life of love needs nourishment. And, and this is as true for our love for God as it is for family and friends, Jesus said to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at the first. 
Notice that the relationship with God is affected by what they let go of. It's affected by what they let die. In verse 5, this is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they went so far from me and followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves? They stopped asking, where is the Lord who brought us from the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, through a land of drought and darkness, a land no one traveled through and where no one lived? I brought you to a fertile land to eat its fruit and bounty. But after you entered, you defiled my land. You made my inheritance detestable. The priests quit asking, where is the Lord? The experts in the law no longer knew me and the rulers rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and followed useless idols. Love and romance don't end when people argue. They end when people stop communicating. And when it says, where is the Lord in verses six and eight, it's not like, where is the Lord, you know, in this time of trouble? Where is God when all these people are hurting around us? Where is the Lord when there's this tragedy, you know, whether it be in Ukraine or in Gaza or in Israel or in Lahaina? Where is the Lord? That's not what's being asked here. This is more of, where are you? Because we're gonna go out to eat a little bit later and I wanna know your proximity to us so that we can be together. It's asking where you are because I want to see where you are so I can be where you are. It's not like I, you've abandoned us. It's not in a negative. It's a, a needing to know where you are because there's desire to be with you, which is, very different. You see, they stopped asking, where are you? They stopped caring about them. So they stopped asking them, you know, of the Lord, hey, where are you? Because I desire to be there. When we stop asking, how are you doing? What are your plans for the day? What are we going to do for dinner? There was the stop of inquiry, the stop of wanting to have that closeness. There was an absence of communication that took place because it's the inquiry that pushes into the relationship and it demonstrates interest. It demonstrates concern. The people stopped asking about where God was because they stopped caring. And there's something important about pursuit. It, it does something in us that's more important than actually finding what we're pursuing, there is the longing that takes place. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And literally, this can be translated, keep asking, keep seeking, keep 
knocking. So it isn't just knock once, it's keep on knocking, right? And it's similar to the parable of the woman who is persistent with the judge wanting justice. And it says, it's not because I care, it's because she was persistent that he responds to her. That's kind of the same purpose. It's like, keep going, keep pursuing, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. And part of me wants to stop and say, can you just open the door already, right? How long do I have to keep knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, right? The Bob Dylan version, right? Can't you just answer? And I'm wrestling with this because maintaining a relationship with God is, is a mysterious thing to me. Is God personal? Does God have a, a conscious? Does God think about what's going to happen? How am I going to respond to this? What are they going to do? Can I reduce God to a person that I can understand? Then God becomes just a super being. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer's in trouble and he, he looks up and he says, I don't know if you are there or if you can hear me, but if you can, Superman, save me. Right? And we treat God the same way, just some super being. Or, or do I keep God impersonal so that I can maintain that mystery so I have a proper reverence for him? And is that my two choices? God is either, either personal, I give him a persona that I can understand, or he's impersonal that I can't understand. Or maybe there's another way to see it. Maybe he is transpersonal more than, but containing a form of. Maybe the prophets are writing in this way so that we can have some kind of connection to what is beyond our ability to comprehend, but it gives us an involvement with and and a connection to. And they're helping us to do that. Maybe God is not found in proximity, but in pursuit. I have this game that I'm playing with my granddaughter right now. When she sees me, she gets all excited and and she can walk. She kind of walks like Frankenstein right now, right? She just kind of hobbles back and forth, but they'll put her on the ground and then I'll say, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And she turns and squeals and starts running as best she can into a corner. And then I pick her up and I bite her belly and she squeals. And then she wants to be put it down again so we could do it again. She just wants me to keep chasing her. She just loves that part of it. Catching her is just part of the fun, but then she wants to be let down so she could do it again. I I think the idea of pursuit is important. Maybe we need to pause and intentionally be aware. Are we pursuing God and whatever that looks like? Are we asking, where is the Lord? Because I want to be there. Or are we reducing that as they did into a a series of this is what you do to be close to God and you don't really have to have proximity with him. You don't really have to inquire of him. You don't really need or want to be there. You just want to do your duty so that you can continue just doing things whether he was there or not. 
because this is something that presses into our lives and challenges us how we're to live. I have some struggles because it's as if, hey, Nick, it's as if I can live my life completely detached from God and still claim a relationship with God. Right? I mean, you think of Jesus's interaction with the Pharisees. And he would say, you think you know the scriptures. And by knowing that, you think you know me, but they speak of me and here I am before you and you have nothing to do with me. There is something that's going on. There was the lacking of the question, where is the Lord? They weren't listening to hear where he really was or his response. They just wanted things to go the way they had set. They got comfortable. And I wonder how easy it is for me to get comfortable and not ask, where is the Lord? Not in a negative way, but a positive way. How can I listen? How can I be aware? I had read that someone had written down where does it feel where what does it feel like when god is near and they answered that by saying just like this you see he is near and wherever you are at and whatever you are feeling that's what it feels like but are you aware of it or have we numbed ourselves to the presence of god and made it persona that we can figure out, that we could understand, that we don't have the desire to lean into and wonder how it transforms us, how it changes us, how it moves us to be a people who live in proximity to God. And and that's the challenge. That's what... Jeremiah and this dialogue he's having with the Lord is about. It's God persisting in these people who stopped pursuing him. It's God asking of them what happened to the way we were. How, How have things changed? What have you left me for? What's going on within you? And I, I had to start asking these kinds of questions to myself, you know, how my life and pursuit of God have changed. And not all the changes have been bad. A lot of them have been very good. But I don't want to stop pursuing. I don't want to stop listening. I don't want to stop being aware. I don't want to stop being changed or affected by the presence of God. I I don't want to live my life as if God isn't there and just say that he is. And so I have to ask the question, where is the Lord? What is the Lord doing? What is he interested in? How does he work? What does it look like when he does a work? You see, and that's asking, that's seeking, that's knocking. 
And, and it's not going to be answered one way and that's it. Well, this is what he does. This is how he looks. This is how it's not that kind of inquiry. It's a persistent inquiry. I'm constantly asking, I'm constantly pausing, I'm constantly trying to be aware of my proximity with God so that I can maintain this transrelational interaction that I have with him, this, this awareness of presence with encountering of God that is happening to me, with me, through me. And so we have to allow this time to be something that affects us because you will never find God, but you can pursue him. You can find yourself near him. It's almost like Moses saying, I want to see you. And God says, that ain't going to happen. But I'll let you see part of me. But it didn't end there. He had to keep looking. He had to keep asking. He had to keep seeking. Keep knocking. And so my challenge from this passage was, am I still asking? Or have I just gotten numb? I'm so tired of hearing the same stuff about what God cares about, what God doesn't care about, what God wants of this, what God doesn't want of that. I'm so tired of people justifying the way they live and how we treat people and saying it's God. And pulling a verse here and pulling a verse there. And okay, yeah, I've got my scriptures without asking, where is the Lord in this messy, difficult situation? How does Jesus show up? We, we, we tend to define love by our interpretation of scripture instead of our interaction with Jesus. And so we oftentimes find that God's enemies look just like our enemies. And God likes the same things we like. But where is the Lord? Let's pray. Father, I felt challenged through this passage to not be lazy, to stay hungry, to stay inquisitive, to desire to know where you are. And I pray that we would not be complacent because we don't understand, that we wouldn't allow your greatness and mystery to push us away, but to instead intrigue us, challenge us, evoke within us the desire to pursue. Father, I pray you would help us to live in proximity to you, 
and allow your movements to affect our movements. Allow your heart to affect our heart. Allow your spirit to influence our spirit. For we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to remind you guys that next Sunday, we are going to have a get-together at Corrine in My House, Sunday at 5 p.m. It's a potluck, so if you can, bring something. Uh, I'm going to be making the turkey. I'm excited about it. I'm not going to tell you, surprise you, um, but it's going it's to be... Well, I told you what it is, but I haven't told you how I'm going to cook it. Well, it's going to, yeah, there's so many ways to smoke a turkey. That just sounds so strange, but I'm excited about it. Anyway, so hopefully you guys can make it at my house, our house, next Sunday, 5 o'clock. Bring something. If you want to check in with us, let us know what you can bring. Uh, Again, I told you kind of that main dish. We'll probably have a few other things, but hopefully you guys can make it. Okay. May you continue to pursue the one who has pursued you. May you not give up asking the question, where is the Lord? God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.